Thanks, journalers. This is Catherine Druckmann. I'm talking today with Doc Searles from Linux Journal, but also with Eric Anderson from Microsoft and Keith Bergelt from Open Invention Network. So, Keith, yesterday you announced that Microsoft joined your patent community. Can you tell us a little bit about OIN and why this announcement is such big news? Sure. Thanks very much for uh, having me. Uh, Open Invention Network is an organization that was founded uh, a little bit over 13 years ago with the uh, goal of supporting uh, freedom of action, freedom to operate in the core of Linux and adjacent open source uh, technologies. And we have over 2,600 members uh, that are participants in our community. It's a pro-competitive platform designed to ensure that companies are uh, enabled and feel comfortable uh, adopting open source core technology uh, without fear of, uh, of patent litigation uh, in the in the core of Linux and open source. And uh, we uh, are the reason that uh, yesterday was such big news is that uh, Microsoft, as, uh, as I think everyone on the globe knows, is the uh, has the history of being the most successful proprietary uh, software company in the in, in the world, and uh, it has increasingly been moving in the direction of supporting open source activities over the last three to five years. And uh, joining OIN is a major step for the community, a major step for for us as a builder of a community, and uh, and I. I I believe for Microsoft as well, because uh, it, it marks the, the continuation of an evolution that uh, that community values and, uh, and a recognition of interdependence uh, that, that so many companies who are active in open source have recognized. And, and so it's uh, it's heartening uh, to see the the, uh, the steps that they've taken up till now. And uh, and it's uh, very very much welcomed by us and all the members of, of our growing community of companies committed to patent non-aggression in the core of Linux and uh, open source. So, so Keith, would it be fair to say, in in metaphorical terms, what OAN does is surfaces and then disarms all potential patent submarines? Uh, I I kind of characterize it as a guardianship role. Uh, focused on uh, creating a zone of patent non-aggression based on what is core code. We identify core code from Linux and then other projects included as, as, the, uh, as the demarcation, if you will, of the, the zone of, uh, of cross-license obligation that our company, the companies that participate in our community are obligated under. And so of all the patents that they own, the patents that relate to this Linux uh, and other kind of adjacent open source code uh, that's core uh, are obligated so that there's a cross license that provides freedom. Uh, and uh, again, it enables adoption. There's so many communities that uh, when we've looked over the history of, uh, of, uh, of major project uh, development, uh, so many communities like the auto sector, banking, uh, and now the latest project for Linux Foundation is LF Power. Uh, so many of those communities are, are patent uh, um, uh, averse, risk averse when it comes to patenting. And they don't have necessarily the same experience that the electronics industry has had in dealing with patent issues. And so 
uh, I, I truly believe that without uh, this kind of guardianship role, it would have been much more difficult, if not impossible, for them to embrace open source and to participate, contribute code, and to utilize code in their products. Are, are there opportunities there for a company that has a, some, a patent on something that the whole world could use, um, but they haven't executed on it yet, to um, sort of release that almost as open source code within your your network. In other words, not just sort of disabling the defense, you know, things in a defensive way, but rather find a way to share IP as as open and in, in an open way. Is that part of what's contemplated well, here? I mean, we we're comfortable. I mean, the, in, not necessarily in the Microsoft relationship, but the, the the general question that you've asked, we're comfortable accepting code and uh, accepting patents from companies. And then we own patents, and so once we own them, we share them with every one of our licensees for free. We spent $100 million acquiring uh, lots of uh, intellectual property. We own over 1,300 patents and applications, and we share them on a royalty-free basis, uh, unlimited field of use to any company that agrees to participate in the cross-license. So that's one way that could be done, but there are many others that we could uh, recommend and uh, work with an individual inventor on sharing. I have a question, actually, that could be for either of you. Um, what exactly is Microsoft sharing by joining the network, and, and what are the limitations, really? Like, I guess, could you elaborate on what Microsoft's new membership means, but also what it doesn't mean to open source projects? Like, um, who, who benefits, but also, in particular, who doesn't benefit? Well, I'd say everyone benefits um, because, uh, again, based on the Linux system definition that we have, which provides the demarcation of the of the obligation zone, uh, every one of the patents that Microsoft owns, uh, uh, potentially, if it were related to that zone, would be uh, uh, cross-licensed. Now, obviously, not all of them are, and, and uh, it's a finite group because what OIN has done is create a, uh, again, a, a, a relatively narrow scope of for Linux. It's expanding because of the expansion of Linux in various projects and open source in general. But uh, the, it, there, are no, uh, there are no patents that are not exposed to the license. It's just that the patents that are actually granted uh, are that that determination is made by whether those patents have claims that read on core Linux system uh, functionality. And so everyone benefits uh, if it's even one patent that, uh, that they're receiving a cross-license to. And, of course, the benefit comes from participating in OIM because that's how you gain access to the cross-license uh, um, uh, pool um, that, that exists from all 2,600-plus companies. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just add to that and say Keith gave a good answer there. Um, and I think there's been a little bit of confusion in the reporting so far that sort of talks about, you know, how many patents are in or out or what is, you know, what's been donated and all that. And Keith's answer is really the correct one, which is that um, this is when someone enters into the OIN license, which we've done, um, one licenses, you know, all the patents that one owns 
to the extent that they are relevant to the, what's called the Linux system. Um, and the definition of what the Linux system is, as Keith has said, is uh, basically um, you know, the core Linux uh, uh, technology um, and related pack packages. And the definition of Linux system at a sort of uh, you know, software level is, is transparent. It's, uh, it's, on the, it's on the OIN website for anybody to go inspect and see um, what it includes. Um, and so that's the scope that, um, that is relevant here for, um, for purposes of the, um, what the OIN license covers. Okay. Is it free software? Oh, sorry, go ahead, yeah. Doc. No, I'm, I'm just, it, a lot of this is new to me. I mean, like, so, um, and I think it's probably new to a lot of other people in, in the, in the Linux world, we're accustomed to thinking of things in terms of, um, you've got, you know, you've got open source licenses. There are a handful of those, and they're defined by, um, uh, you know, by by the, the that initiative, and and but it isn't hasn't been much more complicated than that. This is this is another beast. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad one. Probably beast is the wrong word. It's just it's. It's in it's in the realm of what big companies do with each other, almost I guess. And so, I know I talked with somebody at Microsoft a long time ago about when Microsoft are just starting to get big into patents. Um, as I know, Bill Gates was not crazy about patents in in the earliest days, and um, and then felt he really needed to get in front of patents. And but that there was but there was talk about how. You know, big companies tend to have these almost like, you know, nuclear, um, you know, nuclear countries uh, negotiating with each other on on things and coming up with licenses. It seems like you have a, a much simpler approach to that, but it's not one we're really that familiar with. So it's very easy to sort of make things up and project on it. And I'm just trying to get my head around it and, and imagine out what are the good things that come of this. I'll, I'll just maybe try an answer to that and, and obviously invite Keith to supplement what I say. I think, you know, open source, um, you know, has old um, roots. Um, you know, it's um, something that's, you know, has a long history. Um, and the, in some ways, the sort of the fundamentals um, of the licensing system for open source go back so far that they actually predate the time when um, so-called software patents even existed. And so a lot of the kind of framework for sharing of code um, and open source is built on a copyright framework. Um, uh, as these licenses have evolved, you know, some of them have explicitly incorporated um, patent references to them, um, but many of them still really um, exist on this copyright framework and are silent about patents or what would happen with patents is, is implied. And that's a, you know, that's a reason why OIN came into existence was to help kind of clarify that aspect of open source, which is the patent aspect of open source. Um, and so you're right that it's sort of um, uh, something that needed to be kind of sorted out, so to speak, in the, in the community. And that's one of the you know, great reasons why OIN um, has existed. Um, on your second point, um, you know, I think you're, uh, you're doing a good job of characterizing it there, which is that you know, patents do exist on in our industry, um, and they are relevant to software. And so um, you know, a lot of times the way that patents get um, uh, licensed um, between companies is sort of this, um, 
you know, process of dialogue and diplomacy um, that, that goes on between companies of these discussions about, about patents. And um, these very public uh, licenses like OIN are um, somewhat the exception um, to the rule where, um, you know, these are licenses that are open for inspection. Everybody knows what they cover. You make a very public commitment to make that license. Um, but in other areas, and I would say in the commercial world, in the non-open source world, um, a lot of the licenses are, you know, like all commercial contracts, they're privately negotiated between companies and they have very commercial terms, let's say, um, that would be associated with them. Um, so in that way, they're different. So, so I'm, I'm curious, yeah, what did – you go ahead, sorry, go ahead, Keith, I think you're going to say No, no, go, go ahead, please. Well, I, I, I'm just, one of the things I'm wondering about is, the, is for s- small um, operators, that, you know, one or two person startups that may not even be a startup, may just be somebody who has an idea. I mean, here's, here's one possible thing I'm thinking about, only because we just went through – the listeners don't know this yet, but we went through a, a complicated process of figuring out how to have this call. There are so many um, uh, um, of these system of, of these um, conferencing systems to choose from. They all use different codecs. They all use different. It's not like email where there's one proto- one set of protocols. Everybody uses them, and and I'm thinking, well, let's say somebody comes up with an idea that that can reconcile all of these. It can reconcile Skype and Zoom and free conference call and everybody else because it's got one um, piece of potential IP that's sitting somewhere in that shared patent portfolio. How, how can they discover that or what good can it do for them? And I'm just, again, I'm just sort of thinking out loud about, you know, one hacker scratching their own itch but not in the way they used to, but in a way that takes advantage of of this broad this new mechanism in the world that's kind of new to them. Uh, I think I should maybe just back up a little bit. Uh, this is OAN. Is, there's no analog in the history of uh, of technology for what it is. It's a time and place thing that was developed. Mm-hmm. Because we're in this, we're changing the way we invent. We're doing, participating actively in record numbers of companies with record numbers of capital amounts of capital to support collaborative development. It's the modality of development that's important. And mm. first and foremost, a lot of large companies can take care of themselves. OIN has mm. over 150 public companies, but first and foremost, we're fo- focused on small to medium-sized companies but don't have the means, the wherewithal, or the understanding, the sense-making capability to understand what they're facing when there are patent challenges. Uh, mm-hmm. And the patent you're describing would be, in my way of thinking, an application-related patent. It's related to, it's agnostic to the OS that it runs on. Uh, right. And it's right. agnostic yeah. to whether it runs on proprietary or an open platform. And application-level patents were not the, the, in the conceptualization of OIN were not the design, uh, the target of, of what we're trying to neutralize. Um, mm. What we're trying to neutralize are those core patents that come out of projects like Linux 
and many other many others like Automotive Grade Linux and and ODAP and OPNFV and Open Daylight, uh, IoT IoTivity, all you know hundreds of of projects that that exist just under the Linux Foundation uh, banner. You know, yet you know many many other hundreds of other projects are out there as well. These are mainly done under permissive licenses that, as Eric pointed out, have relatively weak or non-existent uh, patent provisions. Uh, GPLv3, which uh, um, not many projects are done under, um, actually does have uh, some a patent provision in it, but very few projects are utilizing it, it's particularly major projects. Um, and so, again, to give you some background on this, 10 years ago when I'd, I had dinner with Jim Zemlin, one of my first meetings with him, we talked about his ambition of, of actually not just managing Linux, but creating project platforms that were organized, well-managed, and capable of producing uh, uh, significant volumes of code by bringing together large and small companies alike. Uh, for the purpose of producing more better code, producing elegant code that could advance technology, the technological uh, benefits of open source applied to uh, key industries, auto, banking, financial services, uh, networking, uh, power, uh, um, the IoT space. All these, these industries are now having the benefit of an organized, structured way of managing projects on producing code that's rational and understandable. Um, and, but, you know, in doing this, he wanted to ensure that he had uptake. And so he basically purposefully has used uh, uh, permissive licenses, mostly Apache, to be able to support these projects. Because intellectual property components of, of GPLv3, to some minds, were considered to be uh, too constraining to encourage the kind of adoption that he wanted. And so mm -hmm. the plan was from that time onward that they would, he would essentially launch projects in key areas where there's sufficient demand from small, medium, and large companies alike. And then we would live in the slipstream to be able to provide patent protection for those communities, project mm. by project, community by community, ecosystem by ecosystem. And that's really what's at play here. And this has been around, as I said, for, for 13 years. This is not mm. something that's freshly minted. We wouldn't have 2,660 plus licensees if we, you know, if we had just, you know, just rolled this out. This has taken lots of time to block and tackle, to explain, and to, and to encourage companies to recognize that their own self-interest is tied to uh, creating clearance at the, at the lower part of the stack. So that other companies, every company could buy into and, and and adopt the same core code, and then build their own differentiation higher in the stack. If I can just add something quickly, just as a supplement to to that good answer, um, this is also the domain of standards. Um, you know, so you mentioned um, uh, you mentioned Codex. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the web standards. You know, HTTP, TCP/IP, things like that. You know, frequently those are the areas where standards groups, W3C, um, IETF, where they come together and find yeah. standards, IEEE, and then th those things get implemented in software code, but very often they're done um, in the standards body where there is a, an explicit patent um, policy that's in place for uh, contributors to the standard where 
um, contributors, you know, up front make a pledge essentially that they're going to um, behave, you know, in a rational way with regards to patents that might come out of the project. And that gives everybody in the community um, the comfort when they go implement those things that are at the core of, in, you know, the user experience and the core of interoperability that they can rely on those things going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. It's, I just uh, got involved for the first time in starting a working group. And uh, we've had several meetings so far. And at the beginning of them, everybody kind of like, opens their kimono on whatever patents they might be bringing into the meeting. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting process. So I'm wondering, Keith, is there, do you expect that Microsoft's participation in this or just generally raising your profile and OIN's profile will raise the, you know, the, the amount of work you have to do or, or streamline whatever pipeline might be involved in how, how you do what you do? which I have to admit, I don't know exactly how you do it. So I'm getting a better idea of what it is, but uh, I'm just wondering how, you know, how does it change your world? Uh, you know, it's, it's important uh, again, because of no one has made a longer journey from success in the proprietary world to adoption of open source than Microsoft. And that journey is one that I think a lot of people, uh, should be looking at and saying, if they can do it, then, you know, why have I not done it? And, uh, you know, we had, we've already had some, just in the last 24 hours, we've had, uh, you know, discussions, um, and, uh, with, with large companies in Japan and China, um, in, uh, Europe that, uh, are now rethinking, uh, when the time is right. And, and we think that this will be and should be a natural accelerant to uh, more and more companies participating. Um, you know, there are a number of companies that have been hiding in plain sight, um, portending to be uh, great uh, supporters of open source and, uh, and uh, even critics of Microsoft along the way who uh, who haven't uh, joined OIN. And, uh, and I think mm-hmm. the, uh, there is no place to hide any longer for those companies <laughs> and their test of authenticity as, uh, as Microsoft is just, uh, uh, passed this test as far as I'm concerned about their authenticity as an open source friendly company and recognizing the cultural norms and, and behaviors that are, that are required. Uh, these other companies now there, they have to step up and recognize that the community is about opportunity and obligation. The opportunities are there to be able to utilize code and to be able to innovate in in ways that were never possible before. Uh, And now the obligation that that runs with that is to maintain effective compliance programs on the copyright side, down through the supply chain, uh, through projects like OpenChain and other activities that one can adopt. And at the same time, on the patent side, recognize that that participation in OIM is is a rite of passage and a passageway to, uh, mm. to authenticity and appropriate behavior. So I, I, I want to note parent, parenthetically, by the way, that in May of 2014, I wrote a piece for Linux Journal called "A Cool Project for Microsoft: Adopt Linux." So that was more than four years ago, <laughs> and that was so. when you were looking at your crystal ball. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Go ahead. Uh, so I was I was actually going to say um so I think overall the open source community on or what I've seen online has been 
pretty um, positive about this move and applauding Microsoft's um, uh, action here. And but but there's obviously in the open source community there's going to be a lot of cynicism. Um, and I wondered if if you could speak to that in particular. I've seen it thrown around, you know, that you know what happens when micro if Microsoft decides to withdraw this this license. Um, you know, things like that. And I, I just wondered if you could sort of speak to those concerns a little bit. Yeah, I assume um, that's directed at me. Ahead, um, or, well, it was either. Whoever um, <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll try to try to take it. Um, one is, you know, trust is earned, um, and we understand that. Um, we understand that this is a step, um, and hopefully people appreciate um, that it's an important step, um, and I think Keith has done a great job of helping to characterize the step that we've taken um, and why it was material and important. Um, but we we want to earn uh, people's trust, and you know we're not asking for uh, something to happen overnight. We we we're going to continue taking more steps. We are absolutely determined to be um, a great supporter of Linux and open source, and and that has many components to it, um, and we're committed to that. Um, as a as a path, so um, you should expect to see more from us. And we do want to hear people's feedback on other things they think we should do because um, um, we're doing our best to listen to those things. Um, in terms of the um, you know the, you know maybe we leave or something like that, um, Keith can Keith can speak to this. But basically, the way the license works is that um, by signing the license agreement, you know we just committed all the patents that we have to this license. For the Linux system, um, and it's it's an irrevocable commitment we just made. Um, so, you know, there are there are provisions in the contract that deal with situations where companies leave OIN, um, and there, again, that license is publicly available. Anybody can go read it. Um, but um, the way that it works is that it impacts um, patents that may um, issue in the future after that date that you withdraw, um, not ones that you currently have in your portfolio. So um, there's no weird um, sort of bait and switch kind of move here where we sort of like, you know, are in today and out tomorrow um, because um, uh, it wouldn't do us, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't change the fact that we made this decision to license our patents. They would continue to be licensed under this agreement. And you, you think about it, I mean, in, in the likelihood that Microsoft would, having come so far, the likelihood that Microsoft would be would exercise what we consider to be a limitation election and opt out of the license. Uh, Eric's exactly you know, correct, precisely correct that that whatever whatever stuck stays stuck uh, 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 into the future, and there's no way to uh, to uh, avoid the obligation that that has been made out into the future. And but. You know, think about the perceptual issues that Microsoft would have leaving. I and mean, it's a very practical discussion we're having now, but this is the last company that uh, that would uh, would leave because this is a company that's had to, again, it's it's building an identity and a reputation as an open source friendly company that lives with the duality of open and closed. Because in essence, all companies do. Um, but perhaps Microsoft, because of where it's come from, its history, uh, is, 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 has made a longer journey and a tougher journey to get to this point so that I think it would be absolutely untenable 
from a public relations standpoint and illogical for them to have come so far, made this decision to join, participate in OIN, and only to uh, to use it as a vehicle to uh, to gain the system, which by design, when you, I mean, just as a parenthetical here, is that when you have IBM as the author of a, of a document, um, you can be sure that uh, that they anticipate every possible way of gaining the system, and this document is very tight uh, and ensures that the community is protected when a company participates if it does, in fact, decide to leave. Thanks. So I wonder if you could just quickly, um, quickly talk about uh, how you got here. I think there's a perception that this was a sudden 180, whereas I think really it's just, you know, this, the 180 started turning several years ago in terms of your approach to, to patents and open source. I wondered if you could quickly say, you know, answer the question of why now. I guess I'll, I'll start with that. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll point to a couple of different um, threads here. Um, one is, um, you know, Keith and I, you know, met probably four, four and a half years ago, maybe longer, you know, when I first started in my role um, and, you know, started, you know, to have just informal discussions. I was, of course, aware of OIN and understood it, um, you know, and, uh, and then several months ago, you know, we started to have more serious conversations, um, which led to um, this, this decision. And um, I have to really commend Keith, you know, he was um, persistent but also I think very, um, uh, very much desiring to um, help us on this journey and help us understand and, and he was patient and understanding our questions. And so, uh, so I, I, that, that's a way of saying yes, um, this has been a, a long process. It's not like there was some 180 um, decision. The second thing I would point to is, is that, um, you know, Microsoft has um, made a number of steps over the last few years um, that have been sort of in this direction and kind of led up to this, to this day, so to speak. Um, we, uh, you know, we changed our, our licensing model some years ago to really focus on, uh, you know, trying to um, establish partnerships with companies um, rather than litigate. Um, we introduced something called Azure IP Advantage, um, which is um, a set of offers for our Azure customers to help them with IP risks that they might face. Um, and one of the key pillars of that is, is that Microsoft uh, fully stands behind the open source that we use to power our Azure services for our customers. Um, so we're, we're supporting uh, open source um, most directly, but also in terms of when we ship it, we're, we're standing behind that for our, for our customers. Um, and we also were involved in this um, uh, pretty significant um, you know, GPL v3, uh, v2 uh, commitment that was made. Um, with Red Hat and some other companies um, a few months ago where we, we said that we're, um, uh, as a company, we're going to stand behind these cure principles in GPL v3 and we're going to apply them retroactively to GPL v2 code. And um, that's significant because Microsoft has been a major contributor to, um, to GPL v2 um, projects um, in the past. And so um, that was, a, um, you know, that was a significant, um, a significant commitment. So, um, when you look at both of those threads, you know it's been um, it's been an, it's been a, a process. It's been an evolution with OIN and other people like um, Jim Zemlin and other leaders in the, in the Linux community, um, and and of course our CEO has had a huge impact on this. Um, 
uh, Scott Guthrie, other uh, John Gossman, other leaders inside Microsoft have really shaped the dialogue internally about what's required um, and what what uh, what kind of measures we should be taking, um, and that's shaped our, our dialogue with with uh, leaders like Keith and and is. Uh, led us to these decisions and has caused us to um, introduce new programs to uh, to help our customers manage their own risks. Um, so um, we've made a pretty profound change, but it's not been a, I would say, a 180. It's been more like um, you know a series of steps we've taken um, that have led us to to this point. I, I just want to say it goes back a long way. I, I remember being on a it wasn't a panel. It was actually a meeting where. Um, it was like five or six years ago where Brad Smith and I were like on the same side of some argument. Uh, and I, I felt for a long time that Microsoft has been um, friendly basically toward Linux for some time and, and toward open source for some time that there's, there, there have been, there's been a Venn, there's been a Venn overlap for some time, I think. Well, they did apologize for internet Explorer. It <laughs> <laughs> was an ad. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that was in a conference um, booklet or something. We're so sorry about Internet Explorer 6. <laughs> Yours and Microsoft. <laughs> well, thanks. This has been so helpful, I think. Um, we really appreciate you all taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Yep, thanks, guys. Thank you. Again, appreciate it. Take care.